0: You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. I think you have to start with, with self. Where am I anxious? Where am I reacting? What do I look like when I react? Each of us will have certain characteristics in an anxious state. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez.
1: All right. Well, once again, it is Momentum and a big hello to you from myself and Des. Uh Welcome to the show, by the way. And uh, it's so great to have you tuning in. And we're thrilled that you're going to spend some time with us this week. MomentumAustralia.org, as always, is our website. Love you to have a look around there after the show. Have a good look around and get yourself familiar with, uh, you know, who we are and why we're here. Essentially, a men's show for men, by men. And we're here to help you do life just that little bit better. That is our tagline here at Momentum, helping men succeed in life. Des, how are you this week, my friend? Are you succeeding? You feel like you're on top of it all?
2: Really good. Yeah, no, no, it's great to be here and uh, looking forward to an exciting show today. And uh, just while I'm talking, don't forget men are Momentum Caroline, the new support line we have for men, which is 1 800 Men, that's 636. And the service is provided by our friends at Caroline Connections. And you can reach out and get help seven days a week between 9 a.m. and 11 p.m. 1 800 Men.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Des, and we we do love that partnership. By the way, avail yourself of that number two. You know, Des and I talk about this a lot. That uh, you know, we we need to get connected as men. Yeah, Uh, doing life in isolation is dangerous for us, and uh, potentially life threatening too. We mean that with all seriousness. So if you if you don't feel like you've you've got someone in your world that you can have a conversation with reach out to the care line, 1-800-000-MEN, that's 636. You know, we talked last week with Nick Marks from AIFC about anxiety. When anxious feelings don't go away, happen without any particular reason, or make it hard to cope with daily life, it may be time to seek help. And there's a brand new feature that's just been launched by AIFC. It's called Abound. You can find details at aifc.com.au. Some of the stats say that there's as many as 3 million Australians currently living with some form of anxiety. We've come to the the consensus that it's probably a lot more than that, but Nick from AAFC, we've got him back on the show because we want to explore this topic in greater detail and some other ways that anxiety can impact our lives, our families, our relationships, and even our workplaces. Nick from AAFC, welcome back, mate. It's great to have you back in Momentum.
0: Yeah, hi, Tim, and hi, Des, and thank you for having me back uh, in this, to talk about this topic with you. It's uh, it's good to be back with you guys, keen to to uh, spend this time with you today.
1: Mm. Now, just, just quickly, if you missed last week's show, it is online at momentumaustralia.org, or if you're in the podcast space, just put Momentum Australia into your favourite podcast platform and have a perhaps a re-listen to show one after this week's show. But uh, we'll do a quick recap. Nick, before we launch into where we want to go today, and I suppose that is defining anxiety, and and then how do we define it in our own lives? What are the indicators that we might be struggling with this or suffering from this from time
0: to time? Yeah, thanks, Tim. I I, I think just recapping on on some of that is just thinking that it's it is something that will I think we all will uh, wrestle with or experience for in our lives at some time. Mm. Um, in, in an acute way, whether it's concerns over a particular issue in our life. Might be, you know, a lot of people at the moment might be feeling some anxiety around their finances or um, other areas. And it can often be acute and not lasting long or on a particular thing or instance or issue that's come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other types that are um, longer lasting that way, the, the symptoms, the feelings, um, our ability to cope and function well, um if that lasts for six or more months then we're getting into a, a different type of anxiety and we touched on that being like a general anxiety disorder mm. um and then we have this um chronic anxiety which which at first blush sounds a little bit more like well that would be the one that lasts for six months or more but it's it's more saying chronic anxiety is around um it's a it's an emotional process of how anxiety moves between people and impacts people within a system there's two or more people or a, a family or a, an, a, it could be a church an organization even even a society mm. and so there's different types of anxiety and how they play but yeah for sure we're, we're all going to experience it one way or another at different times and it's really prevalent at the moment particularly after the last few years
1: yeah well let's talk about that let's talk about times and context and you mentioned Uh, in last week's show, that the age group of 16 to 24, I think it was, particularly, had a spike over the last few years during COVID, which was interesting. I thought that was a really interesting age bracket. The 16 to 24s had a spike in their general sense of anxiety. Obviously, one would think that social media would have a part to play in that spike because we are so connected we get everything through all of the time. It's breaking news. It's happening now. There's news alerts. There's updates all of the time. Um, I suppose give us give us a, a broader overview, you think, Nick, of the times and the context, how much that is playing into society's general level of, I suppose, low-level anxiety that we all carry with us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um- we could do a whole podcast on this part. We? <laughs> all the times in context. um I think just just at the outset too is that the some of the internal sources, if you want to call them that, or my own expectations or um personality types are their factors, but they can also be influenced by, and, and to some degree, we're all products of the times that we're in, mm. and so I think there's an there's an interplay and a reciprocity here between. What I might be feeling inside and what's happening outside, sure. um, and what's happening outside and what I'm feeling inside, and how that interplays. But I, some of the big ones you mentioned, social media and, and the advent of that, I think that's um, that's a that's a huge one. Um, what I, what I might say to, at a more macro level is that I think there's a number of elements of how we do life, at least in Western nations, um, that are in fact um, not everything. So I'm not being doom gloom here, not being conspiracy theorists or anything like that. I'm just, I think there's a number of factors, quite a significant number of how we do life these days that is in fact, anxiety producing in our cultures. That is, that is how we're doing life is, is anxiety producing. And so the intentionality required, um, uh, by us as, as, as men our families. Um, organizations, um, communities, friendships, uh, a, a degree of, a, a greater degree than ever before of intentionality of how do we do life in such a way that is healthy and not just going with the flow of our culture, not just from a, you know, I don't want to be what my culture tells me to be, but, but because of the, the impacts, um, and the, the, the damage that our culture can do from an anxiety perspective in our lives. And so I think we need to be very intentional. Some of those those big ones are, um, yeah, you mentioned social media, um, isolation. Yeah. Um, well. I think even more so since COVID in terms mm. of isolation. And it highlighted how many people were isolated or living disconnected lives. Mm. Um, but that I think that's increased. And there's also a good side to that where I think COVID highlighted that We really need relationships Mm. and community. And if we're deprived of it, um, you know, through whatever means, say COVID um, and lockdowns, et cetera, that has very significant uh, impacts on people's lives. So it highlighted, has it changed for the better because of that? I'm not really sure. Um, But it's certainly highlighted the importance of um, connection and community and meaningful relationships in our
2: lives. And there's a lot of people now who have gone through that and they they look at it and they say you know i don't know how to come out of this you know i I have lost the skill of interacting with other people you know and so that creates anxiety in itself
0: it does it does and and we're living in a complex world now very very interconnected in a lot of ways but at the same time there's this disconnection where it's Mm. it seems harder to do community and foster relationships that Mm. are that are meaningful, we know that that's the stuff of life and that's that's yeah. the richness of life is is in our relationships. So yeah. um, I don't know if I have all the answers to this here, but it's it's certainly highlighting the need for it. And there's, there's a, a a very causal relationship between that disconnection and an increase in anxiety. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I remember going through the lockdowns particularly and I was working in radio in Brisbane at that stage and we had a regular, actually it was a daily Zoom meeting And, uh, it was uh, after a while, X number of months of that, I I found the zoom meeting was giving me anxiety. (laughs) It was such a strange thing to just see the screen and whatever, as opposed to actually, but I, I don't see you guys aren't in the station with me. I'm on my own, but yet I see you. It was strange. Anyway, we'll park that. But look, I did want to just quickly ask this, Nick, and then we'll move on to, perhaps how this is out working but when we look back and for myself I'm I'm trying to i suppose think of some key events I, I was a child of the 70s you know grew up in the 80s you know you think back to those sorts of times yes there was things happening around the world but a couple of key events for me was there was the Lockerbie tragedy where the airliner was brought down in I think it was the late 80s over Lockerbie mm. I remember my parents were here from the UK in 2001, when 9/11 happened, and they were due to go back on a plane to the UK about two weeks after that, and of course, that everything was super, super heightened. Do you do you think that these these key events and things like that, plus as Des mentioned, um, you know, news, social media, all of those. Do you think that over bigger picture, two or three decades, we've perhaps started, whether we've been aware of it or not. As a society, because of things that we've been made aware of through the news and the 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 greater impact the news is having in our lives, we're carrying a low-level sense of perhaps fear and therefore anxiety just around some of the things that we've seen on the news. Could this happen to me? Is this gonna happen in my city, my town? You know, the and then of course COVID with lack of food and toilet rolls and things like that. Like, do you think that these things are adding up where we're most of us are just generically carrying some degree of low-level stress or anxiety.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about your question now. There's that's a great question. There's a lot in that. Um, thank you for asking it. I I think the answer is yes, and I want to come at it from a from a systems perspective. Is because we can think of it. We're carrying that individually. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, and big events can have that. And especially if they compound and, and they have a term these days what they call polycrisis so there's so many multiple crises going on at one time mm. um in different ways and, and forms and and their impact that we don't even know mm. and the and the nature of that change of polycrisis or big events that could be adverse and the frequency of them seems to be increasing with that mm. and so that's mm. also i think a factor from a systems perspective i think anxiety is are excessive um, anticipation of perceived um, future threats, then we'll likely start thinking of more if there's a high frequency of them happening now. Mm. Also noting that we have more access to information to tell us about them.
2: Yes. Which right. I
0: think is different as well. Mm. So that's also a factor. Yes, they're increasing, but also we are hearing about them instantly. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of them, we just do not need to know about certain things that are going on around the world, but we do. mm from a systems perspective, it's then how do I, if if things, if chronic anxiety moves an, in a system between people, in people, so it spreads, mm. you know, the fumes in the room, then it's, it's going to be contagious. And so how we respond to those perceived future threats becomes really important. Will I just sort of breathe in the air that, of the anxious air because others have it? Or am I able to, this is a real example of how do I manage my thoughts and feelings and anxiety about these big events and perceived threats that are really completely out of my control? Mm. And therefore, how do I regulate myself with them? Because if I don't, I'm going to, like many, many other people, my anxiety is going to increase and the impacts of that. So it comes back to how does one self-regulate and deal with those perceived threats and manage our anxiety as a calm, non-anxious presence. Um, or the alternative is go with the flow, as most people are.
2: So talking about that and, and how people can control that in their world, um, we talked about in the last show, but also, on, and let's talk about it now. I mean, uh, I mean, all these things are happening around us. All these things are happening in our family unit. Wherever we are, there's all these things that could cause us to be anxious. What are, what, what should we do? Do we avoid listening to the news? Yeah.
0: yeah do we uh, build a motor around our castle yeah, and, right. and not, not come out, <laughs> right. pull up the drawbridge <laughs> Go and, on. and uh, build home. a basement and fill it with tins of certain things. Um, I don't think so. I think we need to be very, I, I think talking about this is really important because the anxiety is in the system, it moves bet- between two or more people families organizations societies nations and it's highly contagious so off that premise is our our society and the way in which it's spread so you mentioned social media social media is actually a very it's almost like the the, the means of passing that anxiety on yeah um yeah it's got lots of good things on it so again i'm not being doom and gloom, um, and we should get rid of social media <laughs> phones or whatever but but it is a medium for passing that anxiety on so it's it's, it's Bearing all that in mind, I come back to, um, it, it comes back to the regulation and differentiation of self, not to be, it's all about me, but what am I, how do I take responsibility for myself, um, being aware of myself, thinking about what I'm thinking about, having some conversations about, um, our perceived anxiety to, to your question around global events, having some meaningful conversations about how you mentioned young people. Um, how young people feel towards these global events that are going on and to be able to name and share in a healthy way some of the, not some of, I think there's a good deal of anxiety that they and we are carrying. If we don't do that, we're going to continue carrying it and sharing it and spreading it. And it and it almost spirals upwards in terms of um, its impact. It grows, it exacerbates, it almost swells. Mm. Um, and so we can become, uh, operating really in a heightened sense of anxiety where it really just is bubbling beneath the surface for people and then something triggers it. And then we go into, uh, if we think back to our last discussion, we go into reactivity Mm. and that's one of the classic, that's really the first, um, symptom or sign, if you like, of how this all works is how do I, how do I operate? What am I like? When I am in a reactive mode and I'm fueled or filled by chronic anxiety, I will operate and act in a certain way most mm. of the time. If I don't stop, regulate myself, mm. go through a process, and that includes naming it and sharing it and, and mm. a bunch of other things that can um, really be very helpful to me, but not just to me, to those around me yeah. because the, the inverse then happens, the, the system is infected in a healthy way. Yeah. And the anxiety starts to, to diffuse, and that the the, the fume, the air filled with anxiety fume starts to. Uh, there's an air exchange that takes place, and it's filled with clean air, mm, and me. the anxiety goes out the room, and we can start to be our true selves more than living from this false self, which mm. is fueled by anxiety. Mm.
1: Well, let, let's take a short break. We are chatting with Nick Marks from AIFC again on this week's show, and obviously, as you can tell, the the, the focus and the topic is anxiety but let, Nick let's come back and talk about then the effect of that because we've talked about societal and communal um, anxiety which seems to be uh, I think we've lifted the veil on that in a good way and say hey you're not a stranger in this you're not alone in this you're not odd and strange if you are not um, coping in some degree and you feel like you've got anxiety particularly after the last few years um you know th- there's a lot of us that would feel that way and so we're not alone in that and as men we we certainly shouldn't feel shame if we are feeling that way at times. Let's then talk about the impact that this can have on our family relationships and our workplace organizations and of course, even our church relationships too. How can we navigate some of those waters if we feel that anxiety is present in those circumstances? We're gonna come back and explore that in the second part of this week's show. As always, as we take a break, I'm gonna point you to a couple of websites. That's Um, aafc.com.au. encourage you to have a look around their website and uh, some of the great resources that they've got for you. And, of course, our website is MomentumAustralia.org. I encourage you to have a look at, at uh, those two websites during the break. And we're going to come back and finish up this chat with anxiety with Nick Marks from AAFC in just a moment.
0: This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org.
1: All right, it is the second part of this week's Momentum. Welcome back. I appreciate you coming back. And uh, we are chatting with our special guest, uh, Nick Marks from AIFC, and great conversation about anxiety. Um, AIFC.com.au, their website. Momentumaustralia.org is our website. And uh, if you missed last week's show, by the way, with Nick uh, on anxiety, really setting the scene for this week as well, I encourage you to go and have a listen or a re-listen to that after this week's show. Nick, um, we kind of left it in saying that, you know, there is, I suppose... Um, at the first part of the show that is we kind of left the first part of the show saying that there's i suppose a general sense when you pull back a bigger picture that uh, community at large and societies at large are generally struggling with uh, a lower level sense of anxiety and we may be even doing things now that are creating this in our lives and you talked about social media and those sorts of things let's look at some of the impacts of that on then the family system and relationships let's start with that and then maybe come back and have a look at how that's affecting our workplaces but let's start with the families and and our our family relationships and you you mentioned in the first show about there being relational anxiety and and i think we can all relate to that you know with whether it's wives kids in-laws um you know uncles etc that we don't see very often but there's tension in our family relationships Uh, i suppose how do we how do we kind of pinpoint what that actually is. like We might have sensed that something was off in our families or whatever. How do we actually get to the nuts and bolts of, oh, that's what it is. And if it's not necessarily on us, and it's maybe that there's two of our family members who just don't like each other, and whenever we're in the room, their tension creates tension for everybody else. I mean, there's all sorts of scenarios, but I suppose, where where do we start with family? That's a tricky one because it's family, right? We can't escape our family at times.
0: <laughs> yeah no it's it's a yeah it's uh, families are uh central to a flourishing society um meaningful relationships um and they're also a whole bunch of work and <laughs> yes. we don't get to pick each other and so right. there are a lot of things they're beautiful and special and and very challenging and as as each of us can be and so um life life is the stuff of relationship and relationships are hard i'm not saying anything we. We all don't know, um, but it's good to be reminded of it. And and so I think coming back to systems theory and the work that Bowen and Friedman and others did is um, I think um, really unpacked a system of thinking that doesn't just help families grow and be better families, but I think can apply to a culture at large. Um, in terms of the family systems, he looked at what we call there were eight eight things, and I say he took the, the levels of differentiation of self. How does how do we remain uh, our full selves and remain connected mm. so I, i'm mm. me and we're connected in together versus a a meshing of relationships where we are codependent and you can't tell who's who and everyone just follows one another uh, and it ends up well quite messy and mm. so differentiation of self becomes important um that Bowen did a lot of work on how this can happen from generation to generation Um, I mentioned sibling position in the previous show. Um, and also you mentioned about, you know, where two people might not get on. And so he, he sort of coined the term around triangulation and that can be where we, um, and this happens in workplaces where two people, um, or someone has, is carrying anxiety. Um, say, say gossip, for example, um, gossip is always via a triangle where one person goes to another and triangulates the third person. Mm. Think of it that way. Remember back in school, if you you might remember it or had this happen, but you know, someone would give another person a note, can you go and ask that person to go out with me? That's <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> that long ago. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so triangles happen at an early age, um, yeah. Yeah. um but. From a triangulation point of view, it it it, crea- it can be a potent force where there's an odd one out.
1: Yes, or the black sheep.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it can yeah. happen in workplaces, it happen in families where um, we might um, buy a gift or mention a gift that one um, child got for us and how wonderful it is and and not so much mention it on the other on the other child. Yeah, and so it can inadvertently create some sort of triangle. Um, or playing favourites, or as I said, mentioned, you know, singling somebody out in the workplace who you may who may have um, slighted or a perceived slight against us, and therefore we'll go to another person and talk about that person to make ourselves feel better and lower our anxiety. Mm. Mm. The effect that that has is it then increases the anxiety in the person that we're triangulating.
2: Yeah,
0: right. Um, and then that forms and grows, and, and then you have an unhealthy system. Mm -hmm. And so this takes place all the time in families. It takes place all the time in workplaces. I think now more than ever, um, how do we be, I think, I think becoming aware of how systems theory works, um, of how anxiety moves within systems. For example, um, I've been in workplaces where we just sat down and talked about triangulating and about how anxiety moves and operates and how we're feeling about certain things that might be going on in our family or in our workplace and that act alone by just bringing it out into the open and even being aware of how this moves within systems is i've I've seen it on a number of occasions to be a complete aha moment for people
2: yeah, I just, uh, that makes so much sense to me in terms of a family, you know, we got a family that's dysfunctional because of whatever you, you bring them together in a room and say, Hey, let's have a conversation about why I'm feeling anxious, why you're feeling anxious and let's get it all on the table and decide how we as a unit can move forward would be hugely positive.
0: Yes, it is. And it's a cornerstone of family therapy. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to be in therapy to do this. Yeah, no, yeah, if, if, if you're struggling with this and it is ongoing and you seem like you're in a, a chronically stuck position, yeah, I would recommend the therapy in family term. It's a great thing to do. Yeah. Um and of course I'd say that from AFC's perspective, but it also is a really great thing to do. Mm. But you don't have to be in therapy to do this. You can be sitting down and having these healthy conversations. Because the, the nature of families or teams or organizations that get in this position is they tend to focus more on the symptoms or turn their anxiety to the latest issue yeah. versus mm. what is causing the anxiety.
2: Yes, mm. Yeah, that's correct.
0: So you don't address the real cause, you, you go around taking your anxiety to pick up some cause and fight <laughs> it. Yes.
1: Can I just backtrack to that? There will be people listening and i suppose maybe myself included uh which is why i've picked up on it but there'll be people listening to go that all sounds wonderful we sit around the kitchen table at Mum's place and we all arrow grievances in a loving healthy way and then we all come at the end and we hug and we kiss and we become a family unit again and it's awesome that sounds delightful but that is so far removed from where my family is at right now and i can't imagine i mean we've got you know two people in our family that can't even be in the same room without, you know, verbal insults, insults flying or one of them storming off and slamming a door. Like, I mean, you know, that's an idealistic picture and I'm not saying it's unrealistic, but for some people it might be a very far-fetched to even a starting point to fixing what's happening in their family. If it is the latter where things are, you know, pretty volatile or people people just can't even get to that point, do you have some recommendations for for those sorts of relationships, and it might even be a, a husband and wife, for example, they might be at a point where there's so much tension and stuff between them, just being in the same room right now, let alone having a healthy conversation is an issue.
0: Yeah, there may well certainly be some symptoms and some and some outer things that can need to be treated, because this can take place in all sorts, it can manifest in abuse, or it can manifest mm-hmm. in just you know ongoing conflict, zero to 100, and, and Um, emotional cutoff, or where you just don't talk to that person anymore or there's a whole range of things that this can manifest as. If I jump back to um, Friedman's work in this and I I say this for a reason because I think it's important because it leads to a point. He had five characteristics of chronically anxious families and, and systems. One, reactivity, this vicious cycle of intense reactions to other members or events. Two is herding, a process which is a force of togetherness triumphs over individuality so you end up um, everyone then seeks to adapt to the least mature member Mm. and this often happens in families workplaces and we see it in our culture blame displacement so that's an emotional state in which a family or even a society focuses on the forces that have victimized them rather than taking responsibility for their own being our own destiny so Mm. blame laying blame Um, and then this leads to the quick fix mentality. So you are with a a low threshold for pain that constantly seeks symptom relief rather than fundamental change, this all points to that, that someone is going to have to take, um, a leadership position here and they're going to need to do work on themselves and, um, lead that system. Otherwise it will remain the family, two people, a family. Um, a team, an organisation, a church or whatever will remain a stuck system until mm-hmm. someone steps up and takes the lead on this. they have to be perfect, but they're going to have to take the lead, say in the example that you mentioned where they don't talk anymore. Now, that may also not lead to the whole thing being resolved and hearing Kumbaya playing in the background. That, that just may not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least you can move out of that stuck position mm-hmm. and start to break this vicious spinning cycle of how chronic anxiety works. Mm.
1: And, and so painting that in a workplace scenario, then let's jump there. If people can go, well, I'm in a workplace where I feel that there's hurting or there's, you know, I, I've there's someone being left out or, you know, there's this tension in the room and certain people enter the, the board meeting or whatever it may be. Um, what would be a, a healthy approach with that? Is it to approach somebody directly or to take a third party uh, as a witness or whatever, or to go through HR, like what, uh, again, it's hard to paint a scenario because there are so many, but, but, you know, is a one-on-one approach too confronting for some people? Do you think, is it better to, to try and have a, an easier, softer approach? W- what are your thoughts of that? Cause the workplaces are, are tricky, right? I mean, it's, Workplaces a, <laughs> are and
0: I, I know that we all know and, and your listeners would have just have situations come to mind where you just, right. they're, they're really hard. And they can occupy a lot of headspace um, and they can, you know, it can generate further anxiety to the point where we might not even be like wanting to go back in there.
1: That's right. Mm. But People will leave a job if they feel that the culture or the workplace is is unfavourable for them. And yet people will stay in a job even if they don't necessarily like the job, but they love the culture or the people that yeah. they work with. Yeah.
0: So it's important. Yeah. It is. And I, I think you have to start with with self. Yes. Where, where am I anxious and how is that playing out? How am I – that number one in out of that five is reactivity. Where am I reacting and what is that? What do I look like when I react? So as I mentioned in the previous show, I, you know, I, I try to fix more things, get more organized and have answers to everything and and a whole bunch of other things and my inner perfectionist, you know, amplifies mm. each of us will have certain characteristics in an anxious state that amplify. So self-regulating being self-aware. How do I operate when I'm like this and and starting with me and how can I step forward in, in my growth and leadership and my um, growing and moving towards being more of, not perfectly, a non-anxious presence? And that will have an effect in the system mm-hmm. as well. Um, if it's a safe place and there are people you can talk to, I think that is a good, a good way to do it. Um, being very aware of how trying, if, if you're in a situation like this at work, there will be triangulation happening, I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, diffusing and breaking down those triangles or at least not being part of them, or if somebody tries to triangulate you or bring you into one, you can, um, in a healthy way, not engage with that. And in a sense, break the triangle in a good Mm way. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, depending on, on the level of it and whether it can be escalated. If you are in a position of no leadership, some leadership or in a senior leadership position will depend on how much influence you have in the organisation. But gee, I I would just say, speaking from experience, is whatever the hierarchical position you're in in your workplace, if you're self-employed or in a team or a corporate or whatever, the impact that you can have by changing in this way starts to, and I'll use that language again, i mentioned it starts to infect the system in a healthy way and that clean air comes mm. into the room mm. and that can make a really big difference because people will see that your presence presence is a really important word your calmness um your you become a safe you become a safe place for people mm. and that starts to change the game and that's mm. a beautiful thing um, yep. uh, and I, I would just encourage people if they're in that now that of course goes, if you know you're in an intractable situation, it's a toxic culture, there's narcissists and bullies <laughs> on, the, on the loose, um, think about whether that's the place for you to stay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So i just put that caveat there, um, but you know, you, you, it's a beautiful thing as someone puts this into practice, the impact and witness that you can have on other
2: people.
1: Can I bounce off the back of that because we're we're running, well, we're pretty much out of time, but just to bounce off the back of that and say, if you need a confidential conversation outside of the workplace or the family, mm. right, and you don't have somebody in your world that you can do that with, I'm going to point you to the Momentum Cal again. That's one 800 636 one 636 You can have a absolutely confidential conversation. Uh, conversation about anything that's happening in your world whether it is workplace family Mm -hmm. anxiety or anything else related because the truth is sometimes just having a conversation can help you see things in a different light or bring a different perspective or just get things off your chest in a safe place and then you come back with a different a different attitude and and breathing different air as Nick has said before Um, I think we're pretty much out of time this week show Nick we've got a couple of other things that we'd love to have talked to you but maybe we'll get you back on the show and and do that um, in a later stage but I just want to say on behalf of Des and myself mm. and the guys listening, man, that there's been a lot in the last couple of weeks yes, about anxiety. Uh, and you've certainly brought a lot of different perspectives and a different light, uh, stuff that I would never have thought about. So thank you. Yes. Um, and again, if you'd like to hear this uh, this show again, momentumaustralia.org or check out the podcast at uh, simply simplyputtingmomentumaustralia.org in your Spotify your Apple however you listen to your podcasts and I'm going to point you to the AIFC website of course AIFC.com.au they have a bunch of resources and of course their Council Culture podcast which you can listen to as well where they explore things in depth as well but uh, the CEO of AIFC Nick Marks has been our special guest the last few weeks an impacting couple of weeks Nick we really appreciate it mate take care
0: oh, thank you thank you Tim thank you Des you've been listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life for more information or to hear this week's show again